if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. We are underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the second morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2021. I'm not a big Groundhog Day guy. I don't give a rip. But for the sake of just filling you in on the news, the uh, little rodent in Pennsylvania says six more weeks of winter. The little rodent in Ohio says nope, early spring. So take that for what you will. Uh, I think it was a little bit weird and a little bit pathetic, quite frankly, for Ohio to say, Pennsylvania has a rodent that tells the weather? We can't allow that. We have to create our own. And so Buckeye Chuck is born uh, after Punxsutawney Phil, which has been going on for, I don't know, a couple of hundred years or something. I don't know. It's a little bit silly. It's a little bit stupid, quite frankly. And the fact that it gets news coverage is even dumber. But there it is. There's your weather forecast. One rodent says early spring. The other rodent says lots more winter. All right. You're up to date now. Uh, but I do welcome you to the program. we got a better show than that today for you. We're not going to spend any time talking about rodent weather predictions. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk with a writer who's going to educate us, David. And I'm really going to have to ask him how to pronounce his name because I've only read it thus far in his article in LifeZet News. Uh, David Camioner is how I'm going to run with it. <clears throat> Highlighting and spotlighting a Biden appointee for the uh, number two slot at the education department, the assistant uh, to the education secretary. Her name is Cindy Martin. She is a nut. She is a radical, and she is a racist. And she is going to be number two, if she is confirmed, in the Department of Education. Currently, she's the San Diego Unified School District Superintendent. So obviously, out in California, you can probably expect nuttiness, right? Uh, David is going to tell us what is so nutty about her and what is so dangerous about her potentially being in charge of, to a degree, your kids' public schools. So that's coming up at te- uh, 935 at 1010. You know what today is. It's Tuesday, and that makes it curse now, Dave. And Peter will, and I will talk about that and, of course, so much more in the second hour of the broadcast. So your chances of getting on the air are a lot better this hour than next. You can do it now. At two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten, or you can do it after my conversation with uh, David Lamio uh, cameo cameo owner. And again, I'll clarify that. 
So uh, dial us up. If you do not get on the air, but you really have something you want to say, yesterday we launched our listener message line. If you would like to leave a message for the show, knowing full well that we may take it and air it on the radio, make sure you know that. Uh, dial 216-525-1806 for that. 216-525-1806. And we welcome your messages. I do want to start with schools today. A little bit on the interview that we're going to have at 935, as I just told you about. But I have a much more fundamental question. And I say this with a background. Seemingly a lifetime ago, my first six years out of college were spent as a public school teacher. So I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, although education has changed an awful lot from the early 1990s to today. Um. I have to ask this question. Why do teachers hate to work so much? Why do they hate their jobs? And why are they so opposed to putting in the work necessary to do their jobs to educate their kids? In Chicago, if you have not been paying attention, in Chicago, the teachers there are so steadfastly opposed to returning to the classroom to teach their kids that they have threatened a strike if they're made to go back in the classroom. Their argument, of course, is the same argument that is being made by public school teachers unions, who are some of the most radical unions in the country. And their argument is, of course, it's not safe. We might get COVID. What are we going to do? COVID is living in the schools. Now, these incredibly dishonest liberal union leaders completely ignore the fact that the CDC has declared that schools are the safest places for kids to be with respect to COVID and that schools are not drivers of infections or the spread or transmission of COVID-19. Because kids, generally speaking, don't transmit or, or infect other people, particularly adults. The numbers are minuscule in which that has happened. The schools are the safest places for kids to be. You would think that would have teachers who are supposedly so caring for their students racing to the classroom saying, yes, get them back here so that we can not only educate them, but give them the rest of what they need in their young, developing minds, which is socialization, the ability to see other human faces, to interact with them, to be in groups with them, to be at lunchrooms, in lunchrooms with them, to be in the hallways with them. Yeah, we're going to make them strap the face diapers to their faces, but still they get to see other people. You'd think they'd be running there for that. Instead, Chicago public schools, for example, are making music videos, literally making music videos with a bunch of Chicago school liberal public school teachers dancing to protest going to work. Wish I was making that up. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who was only more than happy to keep Chicago public schools closed, as well as Chicago businesses while Donald Trump was in office, because the more damage that can be done to the communities during Trump's reign, the worse it would be for Trump. Now that Joe Biden's administration is underway, hey, Chicago Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has, has seen the light, if you will, saying that it's time to get our kids back into the schools. 
It's good. They're ready. They're, they're, they're clean. It's healthy. The teachers have said, yeah, you may be ready and willing to kiss Joe Biden's rear end and help him uh, now that he's in, but not us. We ain't going back. See, they like what they have. They like the ability to teach from the kitchen table. They like the idea of not having to go in and actually interact with the little urchins that they despise. I can only actually suspect that. I can't say that with a degree of certainty. But they don't want to go anywhere near them. Matter of fact, when Lori Lightfoot ordered them back into the schools as of yesterday, they said, strike. We will strike before we will go back into those schools with those disease-ridden little urchins. Lori Lightfoot said, fine, you don't go back, we're going to lock you out of the online system so you can't teach from your home. And if you can't teach from your home, you don't get paid. So you got two choices, show up and teach or don't get paid. And, of course, that led to more acrimony and rancor between the two sides. And apparently, the teachers will not be locked out from their online systems today And all students will remain virtual today and tomorrow as part of what they are calling a 48-hour cooling-off period that will hopefully lead to a final resolution on all open issues, end quote. Teachers, and this is the conundrum that I have today. I could also share with you the tremendous work done by Jack Windsor and his team at the Ohio Star about a school district here in Ohio, in particular Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Federation of Teachers. That's the liberal teachers union down there. They sued. They filed an injunction in Hamilton County Municipal Court on Friday to stop Cincinnati public schools from conducting in-person learning. The union represents 3,000 liberal teachers. I keep saying liberal, and look, I know there are exceptions. I, I was one, to a degree, I was much less political when I came out of college. I didn't really give a rip rip about it. I just didn't study it. I didn't care about it because I was just involved in other things. But, uh, yeah, there are certainly some individuals who are in these unions who are not liberal, but they're liberal union leaders and their liberal body, the union body, if you will, uh, kind of lumps them all together. But the union says classroom learning is too unsafe until all teachers have received both rounds of the COVID vaccine. According to the complaint obtained by the Ohio Star, uh, the Cincinnati Federation of Teachers claims that the school district put forth a plan in mid-December outlining a return to in-person learning for lower grades when the new cases were 40 per uh, 100,000 people and for the higher grades when it was 30 per 100,000 people. However, they say, at the school board meeting about two weeks ago, Uh, They voted to disregard that earlier plan and get everybody back in. The union polled members and found that 70% of them said, we ain't going back. We're uncomfortable returning to in-person instruction. 90% of them want to delay being in classrooms until March 1st at the earliest. Now, again, this is despite the fact that the CDC has declared schools to be healthy. Back in December, a CDC study released affirmed Their organization, the CDC's earlier stance that schools, and in particular children, were not extending the transmission of COVID-19 because of non-pharmaceutical interventions like distancing and masking. 
So if the kids continue to wear the face diapers, and if they keep their distance and keep their desks six feet apart, schools are not a threat to anybody. That was a CDC study. A similar study in Ohio found no discernible difference in the incidence rate among exposed students and the students who were not exposed to COVID-19. That means students who weren't around COVID-positive people were contracting the virus at the same rate as those who were in close contact with someone infected by the virus. The teachers are still refusing to go to work. Take that and add to it... um, The fact that these teachers unions, these liberal teachers unions, unions are emboldened by Democrat politicians who agree that they shouldn't be forced to go back into the school, putting their health in danger. This report, however, from the Daily Wire indicates that it may not be as genuine as that. Because they put together a list of all of the Democrats who backed the efforts to keep schools closed despite Republican calls for them to be open. And how many of those Democrats took thousands and thousands of dollars from, you guessed it, the teachers' unions. A little quid pro quo here for you. We will donate to your campaign when you are in office. You do what we tell you to do. And don't make us go back to schools. Sure enough, the unions and the Biden administration coming together, claiming that reopening schools is unsafe, despite evidence that in-school transmission is extremely Rare. A peer-reviewed study from the American Academy of Pediatrics, separate from the CDC study I told you about, found that schools can stay open safely in communities with widespread community transmission. Other studies have also indicated schools are not driving coronavirus infections. But yet, Democrats, who took tons of money from from, uh, teachers' unions, are all going public with their support of the teachers' unions, and demanding that schools remain closed. Now, it's 9.20, so I'm going to take a break here. But on the flip side of the break, you're going to want to be here for this. Because as I just spent the first 15 minutes of our broadcast arguing that schools should be open, in defiance of the liberal teachers' unions and their Democrat benefactors, despite that, I'm going to tell you why... It wouldn't be a terrible thing if all of the schools remained closed. And the reason is something you're going to have to get next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 924. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer We're starting the show today with education. And I spent the first uh, portion, the first monologue, talking about how ridiculous the liberal uh, uh, anti-American teachers' unions are not wanting to do their jobs, but wanting to collect their paychecks. It is safe to go back to schools. It has been safe for a very long time. They won't do it. They don't want to do it. And I'm talking about how ridiculous that is. Kids need to be in school. They need to be socializing. They need to be having interactions with teachers face-to-face, even if it has to be through plastic. They need that, you know, to have the full in-school experience. How do we know that? I don't know. 
Let's take a look at the number of attempted suicides and the number of kids who have been identified as being potentially suicidal based on their extreme depression for not being able to have a normal life, to have human interaction. The numbers, quite frankly, are are staggering. It should be a concern to everybody. So schools need to be open, as I've argued. However, I have to now ask this. Maybe it's a, you know, in, in a weird sort of way, Maybe the best thing for our kids is to keep them home. Why? Because look at who would be teaching them. The teachers that I'm railing about for their liberalism are bringing and forcing that liberalism, that leftism, down the throats of these children in indoctrinating them like maybe they've never done before. Dateline, Ames, Iowa. Parents are keeping their kids home from school this week because of a Black Lives Matter school discussion that includes queer and trans affirmations. In some other school districts, students have been asked to make a pledge to accept the affirmations of queer and trans students, not in Ames. In some states, says Dr. Anthony Jones, director of equity for Ames Community School District, which is extremely dangerous. There's that word, equity. In some states, he says, they have made a pledge to support the 13 principles, but we are really having conversations about accepting and affirming differences. He said in Ames schools, the discussions are about making sure all students feel accepted. It's about affirming yourself first, then how you identify, then helping our students affirm and appreciate and value their classmates in celebration of themselves. In other words, they are demanding, talking about Black Lives Matter, By the way, this is a thing that I didn't know about. Apparently, there's something called Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action, February 1st to February 5th. So we're in it right now. Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action. And Black Lives Matter has made it part of their mission to, as you know, destroy the nuclear family. It's in their credo. Um, but also to essentially destroy parent, parental relationships with children's and now with children, and now we know it is also to force children to not only accept but promote and contribute to the psychological delusions that are forced into other kids' heads by wild, radical leftists like those in Black Lives Matter and in the LGBTQ, XYZ, RML, exclamation point, ampersand, uh, hashtag groups. And this is not what school is supposed to be. This is not what children are in school to learn to not be indoctrinated by any of these social justice principles. Sometimes I think the best place for our kids to be is out of schools where they won't be forced into that ridiculous nonsense. The anti-science of suggesting, not just suggesting, but demanding, not only that kids accept, but that kids celebrate the diversity of the psychological delusions of some of their classmates. And yes, yes, We are talking about psychological delusions. Did you know that a Christian organization, part of Focus on the Family, the Daily Citizen, part of Focus on the Family, has been kicked off of Twitter for tweeting a perfectly 100% 100 accurate depiction of Joe Biden's new 
uh, assistant secretary. Uh, what is uh, what is uh, uh, Richard Levine? He is the assistant secretary for health at the Department of uh, uh, Health and Human Services. Doctor Richard Levine changed his name to Rachel when he decided that he felt like a woman. And this man literally is a biological male. And focus on the family and the organization representing them, the Daily Citizen, tweeted correctly, quote, On Tuesday, President-elect Joe Biden announced that he had chosen Dr. Rachel Levine to serve as assistant director, or excuse me, secretary for health at the Department of Human Services. Dr. Levine is a transgender woman, that is, a man who believes he's a woman. That is the literal clinical definition of a trans person. A person who is one biological sex who thinks or believes they are the other biological sex. Or some weird combination of the two. Or not really anything. I'm just totally out there in space. I'm not really a male or a female. I'm a, I'm a non-binary individual. Whatever it is, that's the definition. They tweeted the definition and got suspended for it. And this is what is being forced on the throats, along with critical race theory, the fictional 1619 Project, which purports to tell American history, but instead bastardizes and completely changes American history. If this is what they're going to be teaching our kids in schools, maybe I should retract my entire opening monologue. Maybe we shouldn't put our kids back in the schools with these nut jobs who are teaching them because they're only going to teach them things that are going to harm themselves and their communities. So I guess that's my way of asking you what you think. Would you rather have your kids in the indoctrination centers or would you rather have them in front of their computer screens at home where you can at least tell them the truth about some of the trash that they're hearing from their teachers? We're going to talk about this coming up after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 936. We continue now on AM 1420. The answer. So I kind of laid out a lot of what I did in the first half hour of the program in order to set up this guest. Um, you know, the liberal school teachers unions just quite simply either hate kids or they hate working with kids. They just hate their jobs or they're just lazy and like making money for staying home. They don't want to go back to work, and that upsets me. Kids need to be in school. But on the flip side, as I pointed out, maybe school is the worst place in the world for these kids to be because these have become indoctrination centers in every negative way that one can imagine. Talk about 1619 Project and the fictional pseudo-history that that involves. Talk about critical race theory. Talk about the LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point ampersand uh, hashtag movement uh, and their agenda. All of this nonsense being forced down your kids' throats or in the, into their brains makes me wonder if it's better to keep them home. This uh, fits perfectly with an article I read yesterday uh, at LifeZet.com, written by David Camioner. Uh, highlighting one of the highest-ranking, or will be if she is confirmed, highest-ranking members in the U.S. Department Department of Education. Cindy Martin is her name, and Joe Biden has nominated her to be uh, the assistant to the Secretary of Education. 
Uh, this means she's going to have extraordinary input on what is done in public schools across this country, those that receive federal dollars. And joining us now to tell us all about Cindy Martin and uh, put a little bit of uh, context to what I'm describing is David Camioner. David is a contributing editor at LifeZet. He is also a former college instructor and a veteran of the U.S. Army, uh, Army Intelligence, in fact. Uh, David, good to have you. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Thanks, Bob. All right, I, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to decide. If, you know, and, and a little background: I come from uh, an educational background. I taught out of college in 1990 for the first six years of my career before moving into radio full time. So I know a little bit about the classroom, and I know a lot about teachers' unions. Um, they have no interest whatsoever, it would appear, in actually educating the kids anymore. They want to indoctrinate kids. And by the way, they don't want to do it in person. They're doing everything they can, threatening lawsuits and strikes and everything else, if they're forced to go into these uh, disease zones with these uh, disease-ridden uh, little creatures that they call their students. But you know what, David? Given what's being taught in these public schools, um, maybe it's a better. Maybe it's for the better that we keep these kids home. At least their parents can see what they're being taught online and then counter the indoctrination. What say you? That's a very good point, Bob. If we look across the country, not just in places like California, New York, wherever, but even in places that you would think would be reliably traditional conservative areas, the amount of indoctrination starting at the elementary level up to high school and college is amazing. And it's indoctrination not in something we consider uh, of an open mind or tolerance, things that maybe 20 or 30 years ago we might look at because we want to say, well, we want to give people the impression that we're looking at all facets of education. No. These are specifically Marxist-inspired, leftist, authoritarian notions that as Americans we have rejected consistently over 200 years. But since the 90s and the politically correct movement, even before that, with Frankfurt School Marxism, this thing has seeped into the very fabric of our education system, and it is producing the kind of voters that are electing people like Joe Biden. Now, I uh, spend a good deal of time on this radio show, uh, David, and in speeches that I give at various locations telling people they have to be hyper-local. They need to be at every school board meeting they can. They need to be in their principal's offices. They need to be in their kids' teachers' uh, classrooms after school for conferences, and they need to find out what is being taught and how it's being taught in order to really get a handle on trying to you know, uh, stop the indoctrination or do what they can to limit it and make sure that everything is on the up and up. But having said that, there is an impact at the national level, the federal level, obviously with the Department of Education. The left uh, cried and, and, and clutched their pearls for four years because Betsy DeVos was the last education secretary and she dared, dared to promote school choice, gasp. How about that? Actually giving parents an opportunity to make sure their kids are educated in a way that they want them to be rather than where the way they are forced to be in substandard schools with perhaps questionable curriculum. So let's use that as the bridge to the current administration, and let's talk about the nominee or the appointee for the number two slot at the Education Department, Cindy Martin. Tell us who she is and why this was so alarming to you that you wrote an article about it. Well, Cindy Martin is your typical educrat. Um, we've, you know, we've seen these kind of things across the country. Somebody that rises through the education established not by their merits, but by their fealty to liberalism, and by their fealty, as you've mentioned before, to the teachers' unions. And obviously in a democratic administration, that's going to mean something because the teachers' unions are one of the main contributors to democratic campaigns the nationwide. But what is particularly disturbing about Ms. Martin is that what she did in former posts in education 
is she allowed, and as you saw or read specifically in the article, various people to come in and talk the most ridiculous, racist blather, things that if we reverse, excuse me, reverse the um, racial polarity that the Ku Klux Klan couldn't have said in the 1920s, and just the most absurd stuff, specifically uh, the concept of spirit murder. Um, the contention. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on again. Hold on. Hold, hold on there, David. We're talking to David, a uh, cameo owner of uh, lifeset.com. What kind of murder? Could you repeat that so that people it, who haven't read this article I, I, heard you clearly? I know. It sounds insane, <laughs> but it's, it, it does. It, it, it's, it's literally crazy. The concept of, quote, spirit murder, unquote. And a woman named Bettina Love, who Miss Martin brought in to teach um, other educators, quote, unquote, um, where she worked before, specifically said that, amongst other things, that white instructors should not be able or should not be allowed to teach black and Latin kids because they will, quote, spirit murder them, unquote. When asked by you know, people even there, what is spirit murder? She said, because these well, white people are so inherently racist, they will, quote, murder their spirit, demean, insult, and make these kids feel somehow um, lesser than human beings. And, and, this, and she didn't make any delineation between you know, any kind of people. If they had a certain color of skin, then they were by definition, quote-unquote, spirit-murdering students. And again, we reverse the racial polarity on this. If we said the same thing uh, you know, um, uh, about other minorities, um, you know, people would be up in arms. Well, of course, because it's blatant bigotry. It's blatant racism. But if you were a member of a politically correct class, you could say anything you want about traditional American values, and you can get away with it. Not only get away with it, you can profit by being named very possibly the number two person in the Biden administration Department of Education. We're talking to David Camiona of LifeZet News. Uh, he's a contributing editor there. Um, David, you know, you almost don't have to do the whataboutism that you just did when you said if the race racial polarity was reversed here. If white instructors demeaned uh, black students, uh, certainly that would never be allowed. Uh, but black uh, instructors are allowed to essentially call white students racist by the very their existence it's in their dna and this of course is what critical race theory teaches that white people don't even they they might not even be able to control it it's subconscious it's in their subconsciousness it's in their dna to do that but quite literally we don't need to do the whataboutism because it's it's literally happening they're accusing white teachers simply by being white of treating minorities uh unfairly and in the process they are treating the white teachers unfairly they're literally saying because you're white you can't do your job correctly without your racism your your latent inherent dna driven racism shining through that's exactly right bob and the thing about it it is is so ironic is that for the last 50 or 60 years in this country we have made strides massive strides when it comes to race relations if i mean i'm you know i'm almost 60 years old so when i was a kid growing up in north carolina if there were some uh, certainly instances that were not fair or in, in the slightest way, um, um, uh, you know, well, fair, you know, fair uh, to black citizens. Mm-hmm. But we, we've made massive strides since then. And to say that somehow America is still in this Jim Crow 1950s, early 60s Alabama mode so we can rationalize this kind of, you know, Frankfurt School Marxism in our classes where we try to turn kids Turn kids of different races against each other. It's absolutely 
uh, despicable thing to do. And not just against each other, uh, David, it, uh, against their parents. And that's, that's a part of this that, sure. again, is it is in classical Marxism. It used to be on the credo or the mission statement or whatever you want to call it uh, on the BLM Inc. website. And I always need to make sure we clarify BLM Inc. or the BL, BLM organization. It is not to say that BL does not M. Black lives do matter. Of course they do, as all do. But BLM Inc. is a political organization and a profit-making corporation. And they declare themselves as being classically Marxist and as part of that, disrupting the nuclear family structure. They don't want children being educated by their parents. They don't want their children being uh, given the you know family values of their parents. They want to treat them and indoctrinate them and instill upon them their values from a village type of setting, meaning in the public schools. They want the schools to raise the kids. Exactly right. And, you know, the funny thing about this is, is that the masochism, involved with guilty white liberals that buy this is amazing because in these seminars that martin and then this other woman bettina love came in and did nobody it was filled with white teachers who didn't raise a peep they sat now, there now they, now, now now david the obvious question here is because they dis, they totally agreed with everything about their own latent racism and the color of their skin dictating how they treat other people, or because they know if you raise a peep, as you just said, you're done. You you will yep. be canceled. You will be forced out of your job. You will be shunned in the uh, in the in the teachers' lounge. You will you will not be allowed to exist in those in that profession if you if you raise a peep. You're exactly right. Which you know brings us back to the essential. You know, Marxists, you know, getting close to totalitarian nature of American education these days. Because we can't have a free exchange of ideas in the marketplace of the classroom where ideas of any sort, um, as long as they're backed up by facts, you know, should be accepted and talked about. Then what do we have? We have only indoctrination centers. We only have propaganda machines. You know what I, um, I, I again, I tell some local uh, listeners and people around here whenever I can, um, public schools are funded by public dollars. Public schools are funded by the people, uh, the people whose kids are in those schools. As such, I believe, and this is my opinion, I want yours, that we have a right to everything that is going on in those public schools, to knowledge of what's going on in those public schools. And if I want a copy of the teacher's lesson plans for the coming week, every week or every quarter or every semester or whatever, um, they should be required to give those to us. Because, David, I'm going to ask you, what can we do to get in the way of this indoctrination, to get in the way of this race baiting, this, uh, you know, this leftism, this Marxism that we're talking about here? The only thing I can think of is get your hands on everything being taught and anything that is objectionable, questionable, on mass, parents need to storm into, like I said, principals' offices, teachers' uh, classrooms, and school board meetings. You're exactly right. In fact, I'll give you an example of that. Um, today is my oldest son's 35th birthday. Well, he was in high school. Um, the teacher in a history class started talking about the wonders and the grace and the glamour of the Kennedy administration. Well, I'm pretty conservative. We had a pretty decent library at home. And my son came back and told me about that. And I said, look at these three or four books. Among them, Seymour Hersh's, The Dark Side of Camelot, etc., and see what you think. So he saw those the next day and continued discussion about this. He brought, he brought the physical books in and says, well, what about this? The teacher stopped him after about two minutes, sent him to the principal's office for being disruptive, quote-unquote. He wow. called me. I worked, I worked very close to, uh, to, the, uh, to the school. 
I came over there, I talked to the assistant principal and the principal, and said, this is ridiculous. He was just trying to show facts. He had the facts here in front of him. He wasn't disruptive. He didn't call a name. He didn't challenge her authority. He merely was trying to engage in the classroom discussion. The teacher got brought in. She was talked to, um, not in front of Winston and I, and she was talked to by the assistant principal. Principal, She came out and through grudging teeth, basically said she apologized, and Winston went back to class and was able to talk for just another five minutes and made his point. But um, he told me that for the remainder of that semester, anything she could do to get at him, she would. And that's, that's the thing. Yeah, and that was 15, oh my God, that was, yeah, 15, over 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, you know what? That's 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 a terrifying thought, and that's you know, this used to be something we would tell our kids as they go into college. Uh, as you're talking about, you know, we, we, kids go in there, they listen to the liberal or leftist teachers, they spew back at them what they are given, and if they don't spew it back accordingly and with enough, you know, uh, with enough passion, uh, their their grades are going to reflect that, even if it's a perfectly written or a perfectly written or well argued, sourced, documented, you know, paper or 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 hypothesis. Or, or whatever, if the teacher doesn't like the ideology of it, that professor is going to mark you down. Now, that is happening at the high school and at the junior high level. If you don't spew back to them that with which they, you know, they spewed at you uh, exactly as such, your grades are going to suffer. That's going to impact your ability to get into college, impact your ability to get the kind of jobs that you want. They literally control these kids because they have them, uh, you know, they, they are the ultimate arbiters of their futures. Yep. Um, you're exactly right. And, you know, that, you know, I, the anecdote I just mentioned was over 15 years ago. These days, it's not even a classroom discussion. These days, they're told from the get-go by examples, by class projects, by the teachers themselves, what to think. It's not even a discussion anymore. That's, That's not right. even tolerant. These days, it's just pure indoctrination. A and thousand it, it, percent. It's, it's, yeah. So what we need to do, as you mentioned earlier, is we need to look at everything our kids are bringing home. We need to talk to them. And if need be, we need to go, if, you know, the situation is becoming indoctrination or just propaganda, parents need to go in and talk to these teachers and talk to these administrators and make sure that at the very least an alternate, uh, you know, set of information is provided because schools are not supposed to be, uh, you know, re-education camps. That is uh, that is exactly what these these are becoming. They are becoming not education centers or schools, but re-education centers, essentially uh, attempting to wipe out um, classical education and replace it with their Marxist Marxism and their uh, indoctrination. David Camioner, Life Zet News contributing editor, terrific piece. Thank you for telling us about what a spirit murder is. Uh, I'll now I'll know that the next time it's used in conversation, which will hope, hopefully be never. But I certainly appreciate the information. Thank you so much, David. You're welcome, Bob. Take care. All right. Spirit murder. Spirit murder. The second highest-ranking member in the Federal Department of Education believes in spirit murders, white teachers, spirit murder little black kids. A spirit murder is described as a death built on racism and intended to reduce, humiliate, and destroy people of color, end quote. That's a spirit murder. I wonder what you call as being done with the little white kids that are sitting next to the little brown kids who are being told that you are the ones responsible for that racism that is murdering your friend's spirit. I wonder how that works. 9.53, be right back.
Okay, 9.57. Time for a couple of calls here before the top of the hour. We'll go to Akron and Charlie. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Charlie. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Can you hear me okay? I do, yes, sir. Okay, great. Um, well, uh, I just listened to something uh, from the public square, you know, Dave Zanotti and Walgate. Love those uh, guys. Last Friday. Yeah, they, they uh, send out a uh, one-hour program every Friday. But um, they interviewed uh, Dr. William B. Allen. He's a political philosopher, and they called him the preeminent one in the United States. But he's also uh, the CE, COO of the uh, Center for Urban Renewal and Education, a, a Washington, D.C.-based uh, think tank, basically, that Star Parker started. Sure, sure. Uh, when he closed the program, though, he said something that's very, very, uh, well, it's a clarion call, I would say, to everybody listening to your program. This is what he said. He said, we have crossed a great divide. We were a republic. We may yet become a republic again. But we are now very much in the mode of operation operating as a democracy and uh you know you can't say it any more clear than that uh, if people you know it's hard to see the forest through the trees in our everyday life but really we have crossed that great divide i just want to let people know i would uh, yeah and, and i appreciate that i love the public square and i love dave and i love rob and thank you for that information charlie and thanks for your phone call i would say this in response um close to that but even a democracy would be better than we, where we are headed. We are headed to full-on dictatorship. How do I know that? Joe Biden signed 40 executive orders rather than working with the Congress that his party controls in 10 days. And today, he's signing three more. This is in no way, shape, or form a republic nor a democracy. Because even the people who voted for him in, in the quote-unquote democratic process are livid with some of the things that he's doing. He is completely out of control. He is in full totalitarianism mode. And to me, I think at the end of the day, when this is all over with, we'd wish we were a democracy. It would be that much closer to getting us back to being a republic. But that's how far off we are. Derek in Richfield. Derek, I only got 30 seconds. Go ahead, sir. Derek? Derek, can you hear me? Uh, you got to be ready, brother. you got to be ready when we come to you. Sorry about that. You're probably listening through your phone line, or to, through the radio rather than the phone line. Because we don't have time to wait. It's 10 o'clock and time for news. And on the other side of that, it's cursing out time 